I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Pablo Hernandez of the podcast, weary after another year's service to Leeds United, and I'm joined by the comfortable 3-1 win over West Bromwich Albion of the podcast, Tom Alderson. Put another three points in the bag and move along. And finally, the Gaetano Berardi of the podcast. The two-footed tackle of the ordeal sphere. It's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I thought these were supposed to be insults. As <laughs> you know, at the risk of being named the resident boomer of the podcast yet again, I'm I'm old enough to remember when football was a contact sport, and I really enjoy uh, a well a well placed two footer. So I'm more than happy with that. But John, does that mean that we're bidding you? A tearful farewell <laughs> today. Um, I'm because, moving to another podcast, a more provincial <laughs> podcast in my home country. <laughs> because to be honest, I think we'd be a bit fucked without you, mate. So please stay on for at least another season. Uh, yeah, this is probably not the best time to announce that I'm leaving. No. <laughs> uh, another person who isn't leaving is Tom Alderson. So Tom, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I thought I thought you might have been tempted to go for the Calvin Phillips 93rd minute challenge of the podcast for Darren <laughs> that puts you out of the Euros. <laughs> but again, I'd be very happy to be out of the Euros. Have a nice summer holiday. I think you all need it. <laughs> Has there been any news about Calvin Phillips? There was a photo of him in a bar with a with a with heavy strapping on last night, but that's about when it. When you say heavy strapping, like in a sling. Yeah, in a sling, and and it was seemed to be strapped to his body. Mm. They name the squad tomorrow, so maybe we'll probably know then, won't we? Yeah, I guess so. I'm suspecting it's the same injury that he's been having. Yeah. When's the Euro stop? Like three weeks? Yeah, he's not going, is he? I think the first game's like the 13th or something. Yeah, it's not looking good. You'd look four to six weeks if it's a dislocated shoulder again, wouldn't you, really? So. Yeah, I guess we could look back on the um, the injury from the last time, because he, he did that against Wolves, didn't he? Played yeah. on and then... Although that looked worse than the Wolves one. <laughs> Yeah, it did. I suspect he's probably torn his rotator cuff. It looks like that kind of injury where, you mm. know, you fall on it and then you're constantly in danger of doing the injury again if you fall on it in that way. But yeah, a very shonky challenge, a, a very unimportant game at a very unimportant juncture of the very unimportant game. I mean, it was the last play of the game, wasn't it, pretty much? So yeah, yeah that's pretty impressive. 
but yeah, he, that's how much he wants it, and I guess you you have to take that. But um, let's talk a little bit about the game itself. I'll start in time honored fashion with how did it feel? But yeah, we'll see what we make of this game. I'll start with you, Darren. What did how did that feel? Yeah, uh, well, I suppose in in the purest sense of the question, it was it was quite an emotional emotional watch uh, from from the point of view of you know that that Pablo Hernandez particular has been the kind of life soul of the of the club for the last 5 years is for, for you know for periods of that time he was the only only reason to buy a ticket to to go to games um and he was so important to to the promotion push that that really the whole the whole game for me um yesterday not on the rewatch this morning obviously but but yesterday when i watched it live uh, was was just about kind of yeah, having having that experience and 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 seeing his last minutes for Leeds and 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 really, it it kind of changed the way I watched the watched the game entirely because I was just looking for him the whole the whole way through and um in terms of the in terms of the game itself on on rewatching it this morning I I, I don't think that it's it's a game that's going to stand up particularly well to analysis I, I don't think there's a, a particularly huge amount to say about about the performance or about tactics or about uh, or any any of that sort of stuff. I I just think really it 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 was played out much like a testimonial, and in, and in that sense, that's how I I viewed it. It was it was a kind of fun kickabout in the park at the end of the season, and and, and that that's really how it felt for me throughout. Yeah, I was away this weekend uh, and was driving back when the game was on, so I had five live on. I had the um yeah the inglorious presence of of Chris Wilder accompanying me <laughs> on my journey back and. In many respects, listening to his co-coms, I'm not surprised that Sheffield United went down this season, to be honest. Um, for those of you who didn't have the pleasure, he spent about 30 seconds at one point trying to work out how to say Azpilicueta. Um, and didn't seem to know who he was, um, which confused me a little bit, but but there we go. Um, so I, w- I only watched the game back um, at late last night when I got back in. Um, so I don't think I had quite the same experience uh, of, of watching it because I knew what the result was and I'd listened to the to the things coming in. So and really interesting actually watching the game back after hearing like the news bulletins coming in through Five Live because um, it's it's kind of interesting how people describe things happening on the radio and then you watch them in the on, on, on the TV and you're like that's nothing like what I expected to have happened to have happened. So um, yeah, really weird game. Um, Felt very much, I think you mentioned, Darren, like a testimonial um, for, for a couple of players, which it, which it obviously was. We've already had a few players who were being rested ahead of the Euros. Um, we were playing a couple of players who obviously it was their final game for the club. Um, so, yeah, with, with all those things in mind, it's it's very difficult to, to really say anything of note in terms of the, the analysis. So, um, Tom Alderson, did you want to add anything? I agree with all that. It was just like, it was just a nice watch. Um and I was doing the same. I was just watching it, but like Berardi, like when went for our first goal when he ran across the front post, I was like, "Oh, imagine if Berardi scores! Like it would, uh, it would just be so good." And then every time Hernandez had a shot, like some of them probably weren't even on near if you looked at them back. But we all got excited, didn't we? <laughs> but I spent like half my time watching the crowd because I was just like, "I'm just glad everyone's having a nice time." And I was so it was it was just a nice feeling, even if the game itself was probably pretty rubbish to be honest but who who actually cares like it didn't doesn't matter does it <laughs> let's jump into a few questions then because we we did have a few um again we had very few questions this week compared to how many we usually have so i think maybe maybe everyone's getting a sense that this, that, that this was sort of a, a an end of the season thing uh, but 
Kia Milburn said, I seem to get something in my eyes 70 minutes in. Do you think it was hay fever or was it dusty? Um, Tom Alderson, how, how did you feel about that, that double substitution? I had something in my eye as well. I was, I was watching it with my brother and he was like, are you a child? Why are you crying? And I was like, but it's Pablo, it was last game. You can't. <laughs> and then I, I was like, I recovered. And then they, they cut that to that picture of him just crying in the crowd. I was like, oh, for God's sake, I've just managed to stop crying. It was, and I've, I've, I've cried pretty much every day since Friday. So I'm an absolute emotional wreck this morning. I just need a day not crying just to recover. <laughs> yeah, um, no doubt, Darren, you, you shed a few tears as well. It doesn't take much to make me cry. Uh, it's usually just bubbling below, <laughs> below the surface. And, and seeing, you know, Pablo's eyes have obviously seen a lot of things in their life. You know, that he's got that look, hasn't he? Somebody who's had a lot of experiences. <laughs> and and seeing seeing those those eyes full of tears uh, just, just set me off, you know, bawling like a baby. And for both of them who... who on different levels have both been incredible servants from right from uh Jatana Baradi's, you know, infamous kung fu scissor kick tackle on his debut versus Accrington Stanley, which I was right next to. I kind of grew a real affection for him from that moment, even though I kind of thought he was a complete liability on you know on a rational level. I was I had a lot of affection for him. So to you know, to see him and to see Pablo get the kind of the send off that that, that they deserved, um to see Pablo you know, kind of basically just having fun, nutmegging people, finding some beautiful passes, you know, doing the whole the whole Pablo bit with a game that was played more or less at walking pace at times. Um, just felt like a very kind of worthy, worthy send-off to me. There's definitely a sense of loss, isn't there, that, yeah. that comes with things like this because it is a, a different era, it is a changing of the guard or whatever people are going to call it. But someone like Pablo is, is was one of the few bright sparks that we had in in some of the worst periods absolutely um there was times when he was basically the only thing i really enjoyed about yep. watching us on the field yep. um in terms of like the actual baseline football um enjoyment that you can get from watching players so and i think that there's a recognition that, that that's the case and it the sense of loss comes from the fact that you know he spent a big chunk of his like last at the end of his career just helping us get promoted absolutely and, when he got there, he he was off the pace for for the Premier League, and there's there's something that's sort of tragic about that that you know that that he could give that that time that he had at the end of his career and help us go up there. And and I was saying the other day, we were, I was listening back to our preview episode for the Premier League, and we were excited about Pablo in the Premier League, mm. and it just didn't play out that way. And it's I guess that's the the tragedy of of modern sport is that you can't really be sentimental on those sorts no. of things, right? You have to you play the players that you need to play and. It's just a shame that maybe we didn't go up the season before because I think we might have got a bit more out of Pablo last season if we were in the Premier League than than we obviously did this season. So yeah, I think it's um the, there's a lot. It's it's quite I think a profound thing as well for for a lot of Leeds fans. This the the fact that that Pablo is is leaving, but but also sort of leaving under a little bit of of that cloud that we were expecting a lot more from him this season. And it just didn't pan out that way. Mm. But yeah. It, so much enjoyment um, given. I have. I've, I remember going to watch Leeds in the uh, Monk era and um, just watching Pablo. I, I have a really clear memory of, of just watching him warm up in in the shooting drills that they do. And I just remember 
Chris Wood just shanking everything and missing <laughs> everything, and and Pablo just left foot, right foot, top corner, almost every ball yeah. in in that warm up. He was just absolutely on fire, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll, it's weird those little things that just stick in your memory, and that's one of the things that stuck in the in my memory for me. Just the, the just the absolute discrepancy between uh, Chris Wood and and Pablo Hernandez finishing from the edge of the box. But um, I'm, I'm sure we we could talk about Pablo for the whole hour. So uh, and I am aware that we are going to do a Pablo pod. Um, Apodlo Hernandez at some point so I, I don't want us to, to cover him too much uh, let's jump but, but that, while we're talking about him let's let's jump to those questions about about Pablo so Neil Harding said from today's performance were there signs of why Pablo hasn't got many minutes this season and Luke Hobson said how do you think our season would have panned out differently i.e. better had Pablo featured more instead of Robert slash Rodrigo also do you feel the Leicester incident prematurely ended his Leeds tenure uh, prior to this, he was still a key player, injury aside, and started the first game. Yeah, I'll go with you on this, Darren. What's what's your take on the potential of us having played Pablo this season? I think that the, there is a temptation to use the Leicester game as 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 a as a narrative device, as, as framing why why Pablo wasn't more involved. But I think I think what's more important than that are two things. It was it was clear that in 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 the kind of Liverpool game, which was a very intense game played at a really high tempo, that that really wasn't able to get himself involved in that game, wasn't able to kind of influence it in any meaningful way. Um, and and also in, in in the other games that he played, that that was more or less the case. Um, and then I think the other thing that really did for him and stopped him really being able to get any kind of semblance of form or momentum together across the season was was the fact that he kept picking up these minor minor uh, muscle injuries which have which have been increasingly happening over the last last few years. Um, and and had he been fit, I'm sure for the whole season, I'm sure he would have got more minutes. But but as far as I'm concerned, you know that that yeah, he was left out of the squad immediately after Leicester, and obviously Bielsa did punish him for that. But then, you know, I I believe I believe it when Bielsa says that it, you know it, it's forgotten, it's done, it's resolved, and and he's back in the squad. That 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 is a kind of clean a clean slate, and um, yeah, so. And and in terms of whether whether there were signs of why he hasn't got many minutes this season, not really. I mean, the game was was played at, at a pace and at a tempo, um, and he was able to find space where he was able to influence it. So I thought I thought he played played fine, absolutely fine yesterday, and, and was really enjoyable actually. Tom, what's your take on whether or not things would have been different had we played Pablo most of the season? I don't think there would have been much difference, to be honest. I think. But like by and large, we've won the games that we should have won, and we've lost the games we should have lost. We haven't there hasn't really been too many results where you think, oh, if he if he'd have come on, we he could have made that difference and pushed us over the line. Where whereas that happened a lot in the championship. Maybe Wolves, Wolves might have been the games where he might have made a bit of a difference. But even then, you know, yeah, yeah that's that's like two games, even like yeah. Brighton. I don't think he'd have made any difference. No. So we we what we might have got three more points, perhaps. So it, I don't know. It's like. I don't think it made any difference, and it's it's easy to say that after a, a game like yesterday, where it was, it was just basically played at a pace, and he was just he was he wasn't maybe he wouldn't would he have played like that the whole season? He was clearly relaxed and was just doing stuff for the enjoyment of the game. So I don't think you can say that. I don't I don't think it would have made any difference. I don't think we'd have been any worse with him in the team, but I, I don't think we would have been any better either. Yeah, and I think even yesterday that that there was a lack of sharpness there, which obviously comes from not playing regularly. Um, so it's just it's very hard to judge. I think the level he's at. 
I think there is a stylistic thing that we've missed from him throughout the season, which we've alluded to in the, in at times throughout the season, which is which has been about our kind of failure to build to build up through the thirds and and the way that he's always supported us to do, which is to drop into the half spaces in our back third, pick the ball up off the off the fullbacks, and and start to kind of dictate play in that way. Um, so if if a fully fit Pablo Hernandez of two years ago had been in the team, I think we would have had greater success at being able to do that at times throughout the season because he's very good at finding that space. The, the Pablo that came up to the Premiership was probably just a year past it and wasn't really able to kind of influence games in that way. So we, we missed the player, I think, but I don't think this current version of Pablo Hernandez would have been able to do what we needed him to do. Yeah, and I think there's a maybe a deeper point here about the decision that Bielsa has clearly made that we're going to be a transitional team rather than a possession team. And now maybe it's been the case that, that that's always been the situation with Leeds and the reason we were so high possession in the championship is because no one was willing to let us be transitional. Um, but I think when you consider the differences between Roberts and Rodrigo versus Pablo, they, they are very much that. Roberts and Rodrigo are going to be ball progressors in the in the sense that they're going to try and play quickly um i think you know roberts is a player who is going to be dynamic on the ball rodrigo is going to be someone who's going to try and move the ball as quickly as possible whereas pablo is sort of the opposite of that he's a player who likes to progress the ball by taking his time getting his foot on the ball in deeper areas and, and helping the team forward and maybe maintaining possession a little bit more whereas i think this season we've been a lot more explosive in terms of getting the ball forwards and it's it's very much about sitting a little bit deeper especially in the second half of the season and then expanding with with speed so i think that's probably the reason why we haven't seen much of pablo um had we had we been able to maintain possession a little bit more this season then maybe we would have seen a bit more of him but i think that's the, the underlying tactical reason why why we haven't seen that hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, let's get back to the game itself then. So uh, we had a question from the Jet fan set who said, how many of the starting 11 will start our first game of the season next season? Which I think is a, an interesting question to begin with. So, I mean, obviously, Casilla won't start the first game next season. Fingers crossed. Yeah, Berardi was, was the right back. He won't be starting. Luke Ayling probably will be starting. Yep. Liam Cooper, questions about whether he'll be starting. We could maybe talk a little bit about Cooper, actually. Alioski may not be starting. We don't know yet. But let's t- let's talk about Cooper right now because um, I, I looked. I had a quick look at the, the data from FB Ref this morning. And uh, again, Cooper does that thing where, you know, he looks a bit of a, a car crash 
defensively at times, but his progressive passing numbers were and and carries numbers were pretty good. Um, he had the best progressive passing uh, in the game yesterday. How do we feel about Cooper with with the potential of uh, of Pascal Strauch as a as a replacement there? It was, I think it was noticeable for me the difference it made defensively anyway having Strauch in there just calms things down a lot um but Tom Olson what's your take on on the Cooper starting next season how do you feel that's going to go personally I would be, I'd like uh, Strauch to be the starter next year um I think he's like how he's improved over the season I think he's he's probably just he's probably just a better centre-back than Cooper now but even though there, there is still elements of Cooper's game that if he wasn't the first choice starter I think we'd miss and I think we'd miss like the the organisation as well um, that comes with him like being the captain and stuff like that. Um, if I was to guess what actually is going to happen, I would guess Cooper will start and then Strauch will replace him during the season. But um, I don't know. I, I, it might be just an injury that that causes it to happen more than Bielsa saying, "Oh, Strauch is now the first choice." Um, I think that yeah, that's the way I think it would go. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. I think at some point, because we know that, that Cooper generally picks up one or two injuries that'll keep him out of a few chunks of games each season. I think at some point he'll pick up an injury. Strauch will, will get in and, and then will will retain his place just, just on the merit of his performances. Um, I was really irritated with that kind of smash to the guy's face in the first first <laughs> minute yesterday. It was so unnecessary. I, just, like, I don't know what he was doing. I didn't understand how he didn't get sent off for that personally. Because it looked awful in replay. Yeah, it did. It did. But you know, he's, he's always had that that in him, hasn't he? That ability to do something kind of incredibly rash or or or, or a bit kind of bit off the off the wall. But but um, I think you know, overall this season, you'd have to say that Cooper's perform. You know, his, his performances have been better than 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 I expected. And I, I was a real fan of him last season. I thought he was great last season. And I remember saying at the start of the season that I felt that Cooper was kind of playing right at the the kind of ceiling of his of his ability and I think that he's kind of you know really grown into the season and, and proved that not to be quite the case but 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 I just you know I've, I've, I'm on record as saying before that I think Pascal Strauch is the best centre-back at the club um, or at least he's the centre-back that defends in, in, in the way that I appreciate the most at the club and um, I, I'd very much like to see him take over as, as the starting centre-back through throughout the course of next season at some point. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. And then I guess the other positions were Pablo and Dallas in centre midfield. Obviously, Pablo won't be there. Dallas, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah, I don't know if we're keeping a mental tab of how many people uh, we've said we'll, we'll play, but um, there's some. Yeah, and then Harrison and Rafinha, I'm guessing we'll both start at the beginning yeah. of, of next season, regardless of who we bring in. Uh, and then Rodrigo, the Rodrigo Banford conundrum will no doubt continue. Um, I suspect. Bamford will probably be our starter again next season um, and yeah so so what's that probably about five players from yesterday's starting lineup yeah but yesterday's starting lineup isn't the normal starting lineup would you I think you'd, you'd push it up to maybe seven seven or eight out of the season's regular starting 11 would would would, would be in the team next season and I think that's about right Let's talk about set pieces. El Barca's in touch again. She said the turnaround on set pieces this season has been remarkable. How much does that affect projections on how well we do next season? Um, yeah, I think it was noticeable yesterday that we scored three set pieces. Um, in terms of the set pieces, it, it's sort of something that kind of crept up on us in the season really in terms of I think we had a couple of games against West Ham and then Chelsea who absolutely mugged us on set pieces and then 
we didn't really have many problems with set pieces after that. I didn't feel. How do we? How are we feeling about the the sort of set piece situation, Tom? I put it all down to Pascal Strauch, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure if it's actually the case because we've kind of kept that improvement even when he's not played. But like there was there was a long period during the season where I only thought we could defend him when he played, and he had he had the run, didn't he, where he had like four chances or something in about four games. So. I it, I don't know what it is if we've actually improved or not, um, or we've just faced teams that, that don't cause as many problems. Because I think we we ended up we played like West Ham and Chelsea, I think Newcastle as well back to back who were like all very strong from set pieces. So um, it's it's a difficult one to be honest. I think if if we can keep this improvement, it'll really help because it's like we always felt like we were conceding cheap goals in the first half of the season, and having that threat from set pieces as well is obviously going to help when you can't break a team down. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder whether or not we've conceded fewer set pieces uh, as well in the second half of the season, given that we've sat a bit deeper. We definitely have conceded fewer, few, yeah, for sure. I guess the yeah, the other thing is, I don't know really, because I agree with you that, that Pascal Strout made a difference. And I think part of the reason that Pascal Strout made a difference is that at one point in the season, basically our only decent header was was Liam Cooper. And we talked about this before in that you have like an order of priority of your best headers at set pieces. And as soon as you only have one decent header of the ball, largely, then it becomes really it becomes an issue to, to, to stop these these chances going in. And I think just adding Pascal just meant that we had we had two fairly decent headers of the ball from set piece situations and then suddenly that means you're covering two of their better players and I think maybe at the beginning of the season it was just the situation that we were we were just never able to cover their most dangerous aerial presences um, and I think that's maybe been covered a little bit in the in the second half maybe maybe there's been an improvement in terms of the players picking up on the man marking system as well I think I think we're attacking the ball better I think I think that's what, what my observation would be is that even from a man marking situation we are attacking the ball with more commitment than we were earlier on in the season and that's definitely helped yeah because it is man marking system but it is also kind of a ball orientated system as well and I wonder whether or not players were getting a little bit caught out by man watching rather than ball watching you know I, I've criticised Urente a lot on this podcast but what I will say is that one of the things that he is good at is that if there's a ball thrown into the box he is quite good at, at throwing himself at it and attacking it and it's one of the things where his kind of ball watching can come in handy I think he's I, I don't think he's a great man marker from corners but I do think that if there's a ball there to be one that comes into his zone he is quite good at kind of at kind of working in a quite a zonal way on that on that level, um, so I think those things have definitely helped. And I think in terms of attacking set pieces, I wouldn't use yesterday as a marker because West Brom's defending from that corner that we scored from was absolutely <laughs> shite. I don't think I've ever seen a, a ball <laughs> bounce in the six yard box like that. But, yeah. I guess the other thing, or the other aspect to that question, then is how does that affect projections on how we do next season? Um, I'm not sure how to take this necessarily because I don't think we we necessarily took into it. Well, maybe we did because we did have a question about how many goals we were going to concede from from corners or set pieces. I think, but um, and I've not looked at the the numbers, so I should go back through. We should maybe add a section on this in our end of season review um, on set we, pieces. We are still the team that's conceded the most from corners across the season. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that makes sense. Um, and it would be interesting to maybe have a look at, at some of the data. I've just, yeah, I've got hold of some of the shot data, so I'll be able to look through and see what happened from corners in the first half of the season versus the second half of the season. But um, I think this is a long and short way of saying I don't actually know the, the answer to this question in terms of like whether or not there's been an improvement or whether or not we've just varianced a little bit. But um, 
it's definitely something to to watch out for next season. Anyone else got any th- thoughts they wanted to end on with the with the set pieces? In each of Bielsa's seasons, we've gone through spells where we've conceded goals from corners and then other spells where we haven't. So I anticipate that next season that'll be the same again where we'll be having the same conversation because we go through a run where we come up against teams who've got great, either great delivery or who attack the ball very well from set pieces or both. Um, so I, I don't think this is something which is in inverted commas fixed. I think it's just it's just a, a kind of a phase or a spell that we're going through and we'll go through the other one again at some point. Yeah, no doubt you're right. Um, and as, yeah, it'll be fascinating next season just to see what happens in general in football because I do feel as though this COVID season has been a weird one, especially like the second half and like in the last 10 games or so, it just feels as though teams have just folded quite quickly in, in certain games across the league, not not just in our games. So uh, no doubt that will come into it. Well, the title was sewn up early, relegation was sewn up early, so the, the only teams that really had anything to play for were the couple of teams that were competing for the top four, so I think that's always going to have an impact on how competitive the end games are. To bring it back to the set pieces, in terms of the attacking ones, I thought we we did improve when Rafinha started taking them, and I actually think that Harrison and Phillips' delivery seems to have improved in the last couple of weeks. Dallas's delivery has been really good from set pieces yeah. as well. Yeah, so I think that's another thing that's helped us. Yeah. There's something I was thinking about yesterday, actually, is that... that I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to who's taking set pieces at the moment because it feels like it felt like like you said that Rafinha went through a phase that it sort of correlated when Strout was getting all of these great chances because it just felt like Rafinha was just putting on his head from two or three yards out every game Uh, and it feels like since then we've not done that quite so well but we've also mixed up our set piece takers a lot a lot more as well Um, so I don't know what what's necessarily going on there because like when Rafinha is taking the, the free the free kicks that he takes and the corners that he takes you just kind of think how's anyone ever going to displace him from taking these but then he seems quite streaky in that regard um and and so I, I yeah I don't know whether or not it's just something in training that you just get a sense of whether or not someone's on form in terms of set set piece taking and, and how that will, will change things but um I know a lot of people talk about pre-season with in, in sort of misty-eyed wonder as though it's some kind of magic period when when a lot of things are sorted out but it, it might be nice to see what we do from set pieces after the preseason, because those are the times when you can actually start being a little bit more creative in terms of set piece routines um, so it'll be nice to see that at the beginning of, of next season see if anything comes out of that but I was just going to say that I wonder whether we switched to Dallas taking the right-footed in-swingers because it means that we can get Phillips into a more defensively sound position rather than leaving Dallas Dallas that bit deeper. And as well as Dallas's delivery been, you know, obviously very decent. This is just a thought. I think that's a good shout as well. We had an inevitable question about Rodrigo because um, <laughs> I made some comments about Rodrigo's pressing in the last week. Um, and, and so now, obviously, every game we're going to get questions about Rodrigo's pressing. Um, needless to say the caveat here is it's I think it's it's not really fair to judge anyone on on that game in particular Um, my own opinion on watching the game back is that Rodrigo's press wasn't any better than 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 what we'd seen before and I I guess again the, the caveat that you know pressing isn't just running around it's not just being willing to do a bit of running and I think that's maybe where a lot of the confusion comes in here between what I'm saying and what people are um, interpreting I'm saying and um, I will probably do a video at some point um, much to my chagrin on on Rodrigo's pressing and just try and break down some of the structural problems I see in his pressing because I think sometimes he does run around quite eagerly um, but I think he has issues of, of 
maybe reading space i think he has issues in terms of like his body positioning i think he has issues in in even things like the angle that he comes into uh, pressures at uh, all of which i think mean that his pressing isn't quite so um isn't quite so good as as bamford's and yeah look we we don't want to focus on the negatives with with rodrigo and it may be the case that bielsa won't mind him pressing as a nine and 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 not pressing as well as bamford it may be the case that the the pros over override the cons but i think what our position has been largely on on this podcast i think we largely agree with this is that rodrigo's pressing isn't good enough when he's playing as an eight and there's 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 too many cons that over overthrow the 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 pros when you play him in that position so i think that then the question becomes like what do you expect from your number nine um which i think will be a conversation that we'll have to have next season um as we see what what happens with the team tactically but um Darren what have you got anything to add on this yeah well I, I uh, this morning when I watched the game back I, I spent a lot of it um trying to trying to watch Rodrigo and what he was doing and the off the ball stuff specifically because I knew that this question had come up quite a few times in in the in the things and just some observations and people can take or leave these as, as they see fit but this is just how I saw it um he did four successful or intense pressing actions in the game, almost exactly equally spaced at 10 minutes apart. So there's one on 10 minutes, one on 20 minutes, one on 33 minutes and one on 40 minutes. And they all had one thing in common, and that is that the ball was there to be won. Whereas I think other other players that we've got, um, you know, Harrison, Bamford, uh, Click, and to an extent Rafinha, will all chase what look like lost, course, lost causes just to put the player... That, that they're pressing under some sort of pressure so that they can't make an easy first pass. And and I, I, and I think that that's the point at which Rodrigo kind of gives up or makes a kind of tokenistic run towards it. Whereas I think Harrison, in places where Harrison or Bamford would be going absolutely full pelt, he's kind of jogging towards the player and, it, and it's because he doesn't think he can win the ball. When he thinks he can win the ball, I think he acts much more quickly, much more intensely and, and with much more intelligence. But other than that, I do agree with you, John. I think some of his... His, his body positioning, he, some of the ways that he kind of doesn't really cut off the pre, the passing lanes in the same way that, that Bamford does. Um, so, and he doesn't really funnel the play in, in similar ways that, that Bamford does. So I think that, that overall, yeah, he did do some some good pressing actions, but I still think for me, the jury's very much still out. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's difficult to take anything from that game, really, just because of the, the nature of the game. Um, I think there were a couple of times I noticed it, um, like Darren said, that... He he did seem to be trying a bit harder, but I don't, I don't think he was doing it any more so than he would in a different game. And like he, like you said, he he does run. It's not like we're not saying he stands still or he runs. Like he just he does press. Just he doesn't do it very well. So I I don't know. I I just don't think there's. Yeah, I don't think I would want to say from watching a West Brom game that Rodrigo is better at pressing because there's a crowd in there. Because I th- I just think it's such a it's a bit of a freak event almost. And and I think the point you 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 mentioned there, John, is 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 the question that you have to come to with with Rodrigo, isn't it? It's it's over the course of the season, will the advantages that he brings in the way that he manipulates space when we've got the ball outweigh the, some of the problems that he can cause with with his press not being quite as good? And that that's the question that Bielsa's got to answer because I, I think it's clear that that. Rodrigo isn't going to do the pressing in the same way that Bamford does. Yeah, and I think that's the 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 question. It's going to be what is the tactical underlying decision here, um, and yeah, I don't I don't I don't know how I feel about it because like 
watch even watching the game yesterday with a caveat that you know it doesn't make a difference really but even the difference that Bamford makes when he comes on is just so much more wide ranging in terms of the system and I, I guess the the difference between Bamford and Rodrigo is the one is a systems player and one is a moments player and there are pros and cons to both of those things what when you have moments players and let's face it like the majority of elite sides do well because they have moments players even if they are smart system based teams if you have moments players on the field they can they can change a game just by picking the ball up and doing something and we've seen that happen with Rodrigo this season but the the question is with Lee is like how much do you get from having a moments player in your in your team if you are a systems team and and the moments player breaks the system down. And I just can't see the answer to that question ever being Leeds will be okay breaking the system just to have a moments player on the team. And but I think that's the long and short of it for me. And I, I'm that maybe Bielsa disagrees or maybe Bielsa thinks we can change the style of play such that we are playing a system where having a moments player like Rodrigo isn't going to press as much or press as well doesn't actually have a, an undue effect on on the system but the problem is is that so much of Bielsa's system is based around the things like the like the man marking like the aggressive pressing and as soon as you take those things away you do lose something as well so you know if we were to drop into a as we have done maybe slightly slightly more zonally um, focused in terms of the central midfield areas um, you, you do lose something and one of the things we've noticed, I think, this this season is that we don't create as many chances as we did through the high press. Um, we don't have that sort of Gagan press aspect where you where you're winning the ball high up the field with the opposition in a in a, a possession structure, so they're further apart. They're trying to make as much space as possible, and then you have that space to exploit. So I think that there's an extent to which you know you're if you are to play Rodrigo, you're sort of you you are going to become a team who sits a little bit deeper and then tries to hit people quickly in a counter-attack and that's fine um, but I do think that there are more enjoyable ways to play football and I think maybe more effective ways to play football and I think the, the question is going to be over the summer like how do we manage our recruitment to bring in those players who can allow us to maybe play in a, a slightly more efficient way than than just sort of hit the ball into channels and inshallah because we've got players like Rodrigo and, and Rafinha who are good enough to to attack in small numbers rather than in, in big numbers and I think in the championship what we did well was we attacked it as a as a group and we defended as a group and now it feels as though we defend as a group and we sort of attack as maybe a three or four uh, and see what you can get out of it so I think that's for me that's the, the underlying question about the whole Rodrigo situation I think that's a fair point Anyone else want to add anything on that? Or should, should we move on to the final question? He's very good on the ball. I will say that because because last week it did come up <laughs> that we that we yeah. don't say the things that he's good at, and he is very good on the ball, and he's very good at creating space, and he and he can look very dangerous. Um, so I just want to make sure that we've said that. <laughs> uh, one final question from uh, Jacob Stanbridge of this parish, who says, and I think this is a nice one to end on. Um, what are a couple of things each of you on the pod have enjoyed this season? So who wants to kick off with one? We'll do we'll do one each and then go back through us. So I enjoyed both the Man City games. They were easily my most my favourite times of the season. Uh, just the, the 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 first one was just like the like the realization that we can actually perform at this level because I think we we actually went toe to toe with them instead of like the Liverpool game where I felt like we got we just kind of hung with them and. Uh, we like, we scored three goals pretty luckily, whereas the City game we probably should should have won. And then the second one was just mental, and I loved it. And so, 
yeah, they, they were my they were definitely my two favourite parts of the season. Yeah, I I think I'll choose a game for this first one as well. Um, I think over the course of the season, the game that I've got the fondest memories of is the Everton away game when I thought I thought we were absolutely brilliant and we played the style of football that that we kind of become accustomed to. We created a lot of chances, looked really dangerous, a lot of fun. Um, so I I think I will I will remember that game really fondly going forward. Yeah, maybe I'll go with if we're going to go with games, I'll go with maybe the this is weird, but the Crystal Palace game because that was the game this season that we really controlled and it it felt like playing last season. Um, so I really enjoyed that one from 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 uh, from a just a that's the kind of ideal way that I want us to play football. And um, obviously we haven't been able to do that much this season, but it was nice to see that we can still do it when when the opposition allows us. But Darren, have you got a second thing? Yeah, couple couple of young players who nobody will be surprised to hear me mention <laughs> these two names. But but the, but the two young players that, at the start of the season, uh, I remember listening to Angus Kinnear on one. Of, I can't remember which podcast it was, saying that that he was certain that uh, that Melier Strauch and Shackleton were going to make massive uh, impact on the, on the team. And uh, although Shackleton hasn't really been able to do that, um, I've been absolutely delighted with the progress that both Strauch and Melier have made. I, and I always love it when when young players come into the team and make a real positive difference. And I think nobody would bat an eyelid now about either of those two starting in any game. Um, and I think they, they, you know, they're absolutely established uh, Premier Premier League Premiership. Fucking hell, I'm your dad. Uh, Premier League <laughs> players. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm I'm really pleased for those two. Yeah, I think with Pascal in particular, given that you know Melier had had a full season of of. Uh, senior football before he came in but with Pascal Strauch it's it's remarkable how um how his his trajectory has gone and I think it's something that I've really enjoyed this season as well from the point of view that you know we're always talking about how it's we want to have youth coming through our academy um and it's I think all too easy to forget with Pascal that that's what's happened that you almost just take for granted that he's there and he's playing as well as he is when you consider the fact that it's just even even someone like Jamie Shackleton who everyone thought would be someone who would make it through the academy and become a a regular fixture that hasn't happened so it's just remarkable when a player actually does come through your academy and um, and and makes it and is now at a position where you know as you've said earlier on in the podcast just his ceiling is so is so high that um, it, it it's just fun to see that happen so it's nice to it's nice to um just enjoy that when it happens and and I think we've maybe with Pascal just forgotten already that he like he wasn't a first team starter last week, like the beginning of the season. And yeah, now- well, do you remember like when he was he was in the team for the Liverpool game and Cooper, the first Liverpool game, and Cooper was injured, and there was a kind of general oh fuck, like what what's going to happen here? <laughs> this young kid's in against Mo Salah, you know, type thing, and and he's just proved everybody to everybody how good he is over the course of the season. So yeah, enjoy it, guys, because um, we get lots of people on the podcast. Or a lot of people writing into us saying, uh, "What do you think about the under twenty threes? What do you think about the under twenty threes? But like, enjoy it when it happens because it is such a rare occurrence. And um, yeah, it will be exciting to see where Pascal goes in his career. Tom Alderson, have you got a second thing for us? I'm not going to take the obvious Brazilian option this time. I'll go for Patrick <laughs> Bamford because that's um, that's been a lovely story. I I wasn't. I was one of those that wasn't convinced that he was um, going to do it this season. Um, and I don't. I think everyone, no one was as convinced as Josh Hobbs. Um, <laughs> but um, it's just been nice that he just con- constantly sort of proven that he can do it. Um, and it's now at the point now that I wouldn't even question um, him playing. Whereas in the past, where I think 
most I'd say most fans are being like we we should try Enketia or I don't know Rodrigo or uh, Kmar Roof. It's, there's always been a let's try someone else. I don't I don't think many fans would say that now, um, and it's just really nice. And if if you'd said to me that last year Bamford's in consideration for the England squad, you'd I'd be like. No, you're mental. He's, there's no way he's getting to the England squad. He's not even. He can't even get in the bloody Leeds team. So, um, yeah, that's just been an absolutely lovely story, and I hope. I just hope that he can continue it next year. Yeah, well, you two have taken both of the the suggestions that I had, so um, I guess I'll have to go with Rafinha. <laughs> I'll pull you. <laughs> Left me with no other choice, but yeah, it's great to just have a, a player like that who can. Uh, you know, have such an obvious impact on games. I uh, can have such an obvious, and I, maybe the like the Fulham game maybe stands out in my head. You know, that was a game where I think we were maybe a little bit lucky to come out winning, and I think we came out winning that game because Rafinha was bloody minded enough to make sure that we won. Um, and it's nice having players who can do that. And we haven't had that for for a while. We talked a lot about Pablo Hernandez, but. You know, Pablo is a player who can only do so much. You know, he's a he's a, a a player who can unlock teams that are sitting deep and can and can play those passes. But with Rodrigo, he can do both. He can he can make those those sort of passes that no one else sees, but he can also run through players and uh, can score goals and he can set people up through set pieces and uh, yeah he just does just does everything well. And uh, who of us will forget that Gary Cahill? Not Meg. Um, so he's dead. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, has he been seen since Gary Cahill? I don't know. But um, what better way to end the podcast than by by talking about Rafinha's not Meg of, of Gary Cahill? But yeah, I think that brings us to the end of a, of a short podcast. Hopefully, the the audience will be forgiving of that. It's, uh, it was a tough game to to sort of do any analysis of. Um, we'll be back in the week with a few in the next few weeks actually with a few season review program so first thing we're going to do is we're going to go back over our over under episode which we previewed the season with so we'll go back and listen to some of our predictions uh listen to tom alderson make very very uh, interesting claims about Stuart <laughs> dallas um and uh then next week i think we'll do what we did last season and do a double pre uh, double review so we'll we'll do we'll split the season in half and and cover first half and then second half so we can get as many people on the the review podcast as possible uh, and then from there on in yeah I, we 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 uh, have to get creative but i'm sure we will we've got lots of ideas of things to do uh, but do stick around we're going to be putting out a lot of stuff on our patreon podcast as well um in terms of the players that we're linked with so we've already done a, a short podcast on Mateus Cunha, the Brazilian player who plays for Hertha Berlin, who um, was linked with us. Um, so if you're interested in, in having a listen to a 20 minute podcast or breaking down his game and the, the his career, then then head over to our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com forward slash all slats, aren't we? And we will be putting out regular Patreon content um as well over the summer so yeah do head over if you're if you're missing our regular stuff but yeah guys it's the 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 end of the season it's been a very pleasurable season it's been uh great chatting to you guys through it and uh it'll be great to to be back at the end of the summer with with another season of Leeds united in the premier league so all there is for me to do is to say thank you tom thank you very much and thank you darren and thank you john thanks for all your work this season mate and for looking after us oh, thanks pal yeah and we'll be back in a few days with with our the first of our season reviews
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.